Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Monday, May 4th, which is, of course, Star Wars Day. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. A recent Nintendo leak digs into the company's past. We know how The Last of Us Part II's leak happened from a technical perspective. There are a few Star Wars video game surprises and sales. And I finally beat Final Fantasy VII Remake. A recent Nintendo leak shares old Wii code, early N64 designs, and lots more. A big Nintendo leak happened over the weekend, but not related to anything forthcoming or even recently released. Instead, it's a number of old documents and various game builds related to past Nintendo generations. Lucas White reported on the leak for Silicon Era and wrote, The most significant part of the leak seems to be a complete breakdown of the Nintendo Wii. This includes things like OS source code, documentation, and APIs for features, GameCube and IQ documentation. The list goes on. The leak was apparently sourced from BroadOn, a company that worked with Nintendo to develop the Wii. It was a massive data breach, so there are all kinds of little details floating around as a result But some of the most interesting stuff includes previously unknown details about the Wii, early builds of Pokemon games, and never-before-seen-in-public Nintendo 64 tech demos. There is one that resulted from all this. It's a game that was used to apparently test the N64 console called Mirror House Cornflakes, which I am sure is a rough translation of the title, where you play as this character, Flake, who wears a purple beanie, a blue shirt, and green shorts. The demo is super simple, and watching it, it's pretty clear. It's just meant to test if things are functional. But he is now the character I will be campaigning for to appear as a fighter in Smash Brothers moving forward. Hopefully, Flake can test his limits, which that's what I imagine his intro card will say, and I'm sure that will happen very soon. Imran Khan, former Game Informer co-worker of mine, and friend of the show, shared some details about friend codes from the leak and tweeted, As part of that Nintendo leak, an internal PowerPoint was found that spells out the reasons they went for friend codes. Apparently, they thought signing up for screen names would be too confusing for the audience, and they would be frustrated if they didn't get the ones they want. And he followed up saying, Just extrapolating here, but it seems like they figured Wii U would be more of a core system, and thus screen names would be fine. With the Switch, they assumed it would be a more mainstream success and retreated to old logic. The leak ultimately doesn't really reveal anything controversial or tantalizing about the future of Nintendo, but in terms of historical preservation and digging deep into the history of Wii and the Nintendo 64, it's really fascinating and interesting. According to people on the internet, 
who I am generally wary of trusting. It could be one of the biggest confidential leaks in gaming history. So I imagine we will continue seeing little details and bits of information resulting from it in the coming weeks. Hashtag bring flake to smash. A few more details emerge about The Last of Us Part Two's leak. I swear I am not trying to make these episodes thematic or anything, but I guess today is the leak episode. I have talked about The Last of Us Part Two leak a few times, and every time I do, I say something along the lines of, well, that's all I am sure we will ever learn, can't wait to play the game in June, but then it seems like every day there are a few more little details. We learned last week that Sony has identified the hackers and confirmed that they were not Naughty Dog or Sony employees. And yesterday, Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, who covered Naughty Dog and its work environment extensively for his former employer, Kotaku, and has said he plans to continue to do so with his new employer, tweeted, Okay, after talking to two people with direct knowledge of how The Last of Us 2 leaked, as well as some Naughty Dog employees, I have a good idea of what happened. Short version... Hackers found a security vulnerability in a patch for an older Naughty Dog game and used it to get access to Naughty Dog's servers. And he followed up tweeting, I think the footage that leaked is from devs playing an early build. I haven't watched it. Most importantly, rumors of this being an act of protest by a contractor whose pay was robbed are not true. Naughty Dog actually extended pay and healthcare benefits for contractors due to COVID. Along with Schreier's tweets, a Twitter account with the unfortunate handle at PixelButts tweeted a big thread, which is linked in the show notes, that really digs into how the leak was pulled off technically. At PixelButts tweeted, For those of you interested in The Last of Us 2 leaks and how it happened, here's your rundown. And then they followed up with a number of tweets that shared details like, quote, Every Naughty Dog game has a final patch that is pushed to the game that contains an Amazon AWS key that when paired with a secret bucket ID, it will give full access to the server's contents. There's a different key and bucket ID per game. This is important. This vulnerability was discovered recently, and some hackers took full advantage of it, saving The Last of Us 1, Uncharted 3, and other dev stuff. And then their Twitter thread continues down that technical rabbit hole. Again, it's linked in the show notes if you want to check it out. It's still a huge bummer that this leak happened, but I can't imagine it will affect the game critically or commercially. If there is anyone out there who has decided not to buy the game based on the leaks, I would, first of all, be surprised. But I also just don't think there will be that many, if they even exist in the first place. The Last of Us is one of those games that has managed to kind of break out of that hardcore gamer bubble and appeals to players who don't really watch the internet too closely to learn about video games. I remember talking to a doctor a few years ago and they found out I wrote for a video game magazine and they immediately started talking about how much they loved The Last of Us but weren't a big gamer otherwise. The other games that have managed to weirdly break that barrier, in my experience, seems to be Resident Evil 4 and 5 and then Bioshock Infinite. Those are the games I always hear about from people who don't play a lot of games, but for whatever reason, those handful will stand out and they will have played those. So anyway, I'm not worried about The Last of Us Part Two. It's still going to be great. Or at least, I hope it's going to be great. I haven't played it yet.
Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Today is May 4th, Star Wars Day, which doesn't mean a ton in terms of video games, but there are a few things. Pretty much every Star Wars video game is on sale right now, including Jedi Fallen Order, the best Star Wars game in years, in my opinion, and Star Wars Battlefront 2. The mobile version of Knights of the Old Republic is also 5 bucks right now, which is pretty sweet. One of the most interesting Star Wars video game things, though, is the original Star Wars Battlefront, the 2004 shooter, is playable online for the first time since 2014 on PC. Andy Chalk reported on the surprise for PC Gamer writing, the original Star Wars Battlefront came out in 2004, eons ago in video game terms. Like the 2015 reboot Star Wars Battlefront, you can tell the difference because the new version does not have a colon, it focused heavily on multiplayer combat, but online play required the use of the GameSpy service, which became a problem when it went away in 2014. It was still possible to play online, but it took a lot more effort after that happened. You could use a mod or do some manual hex editing, or you could hoof your PC over to somebody's basement to set up a LAN with as many people as you could squeeze in. None of these solutions are ideal for someone looking for a simple hour or two of classic online gaming, but now there's a better way. A surprise update has restored multiplayer support directly through Steam. Also announced today, Vader Immortal. The three-part Star Wars VR game for Oculus Rift and Oculus Quest is coming to PlayStation VR. On Oculus, the three episodes were sold individually, but on PlayStation VR, they will all come together in one package. No word on a release date yet. I played the first episode and thought it was interesting. Standing inside of Star Wars environments in VR is very cool, but the lightsaber combat in the first episode anyway was pretty underwhelming. I have the other two episodes downloaded on my quest, but I have not played them. The key art, basically the game's box art for the Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, was also revealed on StarWars.com today, which isn't super exciting, but you can check it out in a link in the show notes, or you can check out the at Gaming Ride Home Twitter account. Just look for the tweet for today's episode to see that key art. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga is the upcoming Lego game that will cover all nine Star Wars films, which is pretty exciting considering the Lego series started by spoofing Star Wars in 2005. 
the LEGO video games aren't ending by any means. But it feels a little full circle for the Skywalker saga to be on the way later this year. That's it for gaming news today. I finally beat Final Fantasy VII Remake over the weekend, and I ultimately walked away from that game really having enjoyed it overall. Please feel free to jump ahead if you don't want to hear about the ending. I won't be sharing any specific details or anything like that, just some of my feelings, but I wanted to give you that disclaimer now in case you're on Final Fantasy VII Remake Spoilers Lockdown. It's a good video game with great combat, but I found the ending to be very unsatisfying in a lot of specific ways, mainly related to the plot, but there was also some gameplay stuff that I found really frustrating too. I won't spoil anything, but I think a lot of my issues with the ending stem from me being mostly unfamiliar with the original game. It seemed pretty clear to me by the end that the game wasn't really made for me, someone who isn't really familiar with the original. And that's totally okay. The game is really for players who love the original and have a lot of nostalgia for the original, and I really think Square Enix delivered something special to those fans. Unfortunately, though, folks like me are just kind of left confused in ways that I argue I shouldn't have been. For example, I don't really understand who the bad guy is by the end and what my or their motivation is, which are pretty important details to be confused about. I don't think it's a spoiler to talk about the song that plays during the end credits of Final Fantasy VII Remake, but if you consider it as such, again, feel free to just duck out here. But I have come across something potentially big here. Listen to this snippet from the end credits song, Hollow. And now, listen to this snippet from the 1994 Super Nintendo game Donkey Kong Country. This is the song Aquatic Ambience. I played those clips for my wife, and she confirmed my suspicions that... They sound remarkably similar. I told her yesterday that I was going to blow the lid off this thing on Monday, and she looked me in the eyes and said, good luck with that. I have an interesting email from Carl Rubin from Norway about Assassin's Creed Valhalla related to the name of the game's protagonist, Ivor. Carl Rubin writes, although I can't recall ever having heard of any men of the era going by that name, I can't find any information on its usage in that time period. In the modern day, the name Ivor is more or less exclusively used as a female-gendered name in the Nordic countries. The name is most popular here in Norway, where, according to the National Statistics Database, 1,081 women today have Ivor, or its alternate spellings, as their first or only given name. No men are named Ivor in Norway today, according to the database. Which is why my main takeaway from the Assassin's Creed Valhalla reveal was slight bafflement as to why Ubisoft devs would choose that name for its apparently male protagonist. 
I guess it makes somewhat more sense for a customizable non-gender specific character though, and it's certainly cool that they've chosen to go with a traditionally female gendered name given the choice. Thanks, Carl Rubin, for that email. I think that is really interesting. Ubisoft definitely does its research when it comes to Assassin's Creed, so I certainly don't think that it is a name it chose lightly. So having that new context is really fascinating. If you have corrections or just feedback in general, feel free to send me tweets or DMs to either at Kyle M. Hilliard or at Gaming Ride Home, or you can send an email like Carl Rubin did to kyle at ridehome.info. And please consider leaving a review for this podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator. Making my way through Resident Evil Code Veronica X right now. I ended my play session on Friday nervous about that game. Like, I, w- I didn't feel like I was doing well. I was low on health. I'm, I've got a decent amount of ammo. I'm not really sure where to go next, but I played this morning for about an hour. I'm stocked up on green herbs. I found a bunch. I got tons of ammo. I figured out where I need to go next in terms of solving puzzles. So I'm feeling a lot better about that game today. You can also find me on the MinMax show for more long-form video game discussion. I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.